Well, let's pray as we come now to God's word. Heavenly Father, we commit our time to you. As we come to your word, we ask that you will speak. Speak to us today. Speak to us now. And help us to know you, to grow in faith and to show our world what it is to know you and to have faith in the Lord Jesus. So we just commit our time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, now, I might be really grasping at straws here, uh, but how many of you have seen the 80s Chinese cooking show, Yan Can Cook? I'll just get, get this up on screen. Uh, Yan Can Cook, it was a Chinese cooking show uh, with the chef host, Martin Yan. And the motto of his cooking show was, if Yan can cook, so can you. And he would say it in his honky kind of accent, and it was really funny. Um, maybe I'm just really old. Uh, but clearly, uh, his motto is, if he can do it, so can you. Uh, maybe you're more familiar with the cookbook, the famous cookbook from the Pixar movie, Ratatouille. Anyone can cook. I wonder how many of you think that the Christian life is out of reach. You believe in Jesus, you believe in the gospel, but that's it. You can't change, it's too hard. No matter how hard I try, I can't change. I can't be like Peter, he's the pastor. I can't be like Graham, he's a missionary. I can't be like Chris, he knows the Bible so well. I can't be like Ros, her prayers are just so deep and intimate. And the list goes on. Today, as we look at this letter from Paul, it's one of his more obscure letters, uh, but it's a personal letter. It's a letter that he writes to a Christian brother, Philemon. Uh, and the whole letter is about one thing. Paul wants Philemon to receive back his slave, Anisimus, as a brother in Christ. Now, we don't know the circumstances, but for some reason or other, Onesimus left or ran away from Philemon uh, on bad terms, possibly even stealing from him in the process. But by God's grace, Onesimus comes into Paul's company and in the process hears and responds to the gospel and puts his faith and trust in Jesus. By God's wisdom and grace, this personal letter is included in our Bible as a simple reminder that the gospel changes lives. It changes people. And it can change you as you continue to put your faith and trust in Jesus. And likewise, it reminds us to receive one another in the gospel. Not as they were before, but as brothers and sisters in Christ. So let's get into it. Now Paul's letter is typical of the time. He The, the way that it opens and the way that he flows is very typical. But his choice of words is distinctly Christian. Immediately we're told Paul is a prisoner of Christ Jesus. This isn't some illusion uh, or illustration about his life. It's not metaphoric. No, he's physically in prison. Paul is in chains for the gospel. He is in chains for Jesus. And he addresses this letter to Philemon, 
uh, and his family. Uh, he, Aphia and Archippus, uh, we suppose, are his wife and son, uh, and the church meeting in his home. And he blesses them, he greets them in the grace and peace that comes from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. And right here, we already see the first example of the power of the gospel. And indulge me as we take a slight detour. We read in Acts about the martyrdom of Stephen. He's the first recorded martyr that we have standing in defense of the gospel. And regarding this martyrdom, we read these words in Acts chapter 8. Saul approved of killing him. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Paul, that is Saul, Saul is just his Jewish name, Paul's his Gentile name. Uh, Paul persecuted the church. But the Paul who writes this letter finds himself in prison. Not because he persecuted the church, but because he now preaches the gospel. He is part of that church. And long story short, Paul meets Jesus and his life is transformed. Transformed from persecutor to persecutor. From Pharisee to preacher. From adjudicator to apostle. Meeting Jesus transformed Paul. And Jesus is still in the business of transforming lives. And then we have Philemon. In Philemon we see an example of a life transformed by the gospel. And in typical fashion again, Paul gives thanks for uh, this brother in Christ. And what does Paul give thanks for? Well, we read there that Paul gives thanks for his love for all God's holy people and his faith in the Lord Jesus. Philemon's love and faith bring great joy and encouragement to Paul because Philemon refreshes the hearts of the Lord's people. Right here we have a life transformed by the gospel, a life transformed by the gospel seeking to serve others. The love of God and faith go hand in hand. And you might recall the words of James. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. Last Saturday, John Powell uh, he was a pastor in Texas. He was killed while trying to save a man from a burning car. In his final sermon, what was to be his final sermon, uh, he preached on Psalm 72 and he prayed in response that in the poor man's distress, Christians might be there. And he's quoted saying this to his congregation. How could we pray that God would have would have compassion on those that need it while not having compassion on them ourselves. It would be like praying for someone who got robbed and beaten and thrown into a ditch alive while we pass on our way to wherever we're, to wherever we're going. 
Generation after generation, the gospel motivates Christians to the cause of others. The gospel should motivate us regardless, regarding the welfare of others, especially the welfare of God's people. We've experienced this through the care packages organized by our own brothers and sisters in our church family. But the gospel also motivates Christians into the world, not simply to share the good news of Jesus, but to be concerned about health care, poverty, community development, social justice and welfare, and so much more. The list of Christians and missionaries who have gone out to reach the lost through healthcare and poverty and community development. These things go hand in hand. You cannot take the gospel without compassion. And while we might not see them in the headlines, in the news, Christians in Brisbane, in Australia and all over the world are reaching out to people in this time of need, during this pandemic. The gospel lives out in the way that we live. But the whole reason that Paul writes this letter isn't to praise Philemon or his actions, but to appeal to him. To appeal to Philemon to receive back his slave, Onesimus, as a brother in Christ. And to forgive him of any offences committed against him. For all the praise that Philemon receives from Paul, Onesimus looks like a black spot, a black stain on Philemon. And yet, encountering Paul, Onesimus becomes his son, Paul's son. That is, Onesimus is born again as a child of God, and Paul is his spiritual father. And if, if you think Paul and Philemon are examples that are out of your reach, then look at Philemon. Right? Philemon is a slave. He's the lowest of the low. And what does Paul say of him? Paul says, formerly he was useless to you. But now he has become useful both to you and to me. See, the gospel transforms Onesimus from useless to useful. During his time with Paul, he helped Paul in his imprisonment. However, as much as Paul wants to keep him at his side, Onesimus is a slave. And and Philemon is his master. Paul sends Onesimus, who he says is his very heart, back to his master, to his rightful master. Now, to be clear, this isn't a justification or validation of slavery. If nothing else, Paul's appeal here reflects how the gospel changes and challenges the abuse of slavery. Right? Paul's, in, Paul's words in Ephesians reflect this. He speaks to masters, treat your slaves in the same way, that is to treat them with respect. Do not threaten them since you know that he who is both their master and yours, is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. Ephesians 6, verse 9. Remember why Paul writes this letter. To appeal to Philemon and his faith to receive Onesimus as a brother in Christ. Not as a slave. He's no longer a slave to Onesimus, uh, to Philemon. No, he's better than a slave. He's a dear brother. What a change. That's what the gospel does. It transforms life. It transforms relationship. And we see in Paul, in Philemon, and Onesimus, the transforming power of the gospel. And since Onesimus is a slave, let me share with you 
another example, another person transformed by the gospel. Many of you know the hymn Amazing Grace. It's written by John Newton. And in his words, on his tombstone, he wrote these words about himself. This is what he says. John Newton, clerk, once an infidel and libertine of servant, a servant of slaves in Africa, was by the rich mercy of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ preserved, restored, pardoned and appointed to preach the faith he had long laboured to destroy. Near 16 years as curate of this parish and 28 years as rector of St. Mary Woolnoth. John Newton, slave trader to slave abolitionist. If you've seen the movie Amazing Grace, John Newton plays a role in William Wilberforce's life. John Newton trades his slave trading business to be a slave of Jesus, preaching the good news of the amazing grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. By the amazing grace of God, we're saved. No matter how wretched we might be, a slave like Onesimus, you can be saved by Jesus. No matter how lost we might be in life, a Pharisee like Paul, you can be found by God the Father. No matter how blind I am to my own sin by the amazing grace of Jesus, I now can see. And just as Jesus bears our sin and burden on the cross, we can bear with one another's burdens. And this is how Paul ends his appeal to Philemon. Paul recognizes Philemon may suffer loss because of Onesimus, whether he stole from him or whether he was just a useless slave. Paul doesn't want anything in the way of Philemon reconciling with Onesimus and forgiving him, welcoming him as a brother in Christ. So what does Paul do? Well, we read at the end there, if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. Charge it to me. See, Paul's emphasis on their gospel partnership and gospel influence. Despite that, Paul takes the initiative to share the burden, to share Philemon's burden. And remember, Paul's in prison as he writes this and he still says, charge it to me. Now, as a missionary, people financially supported uh, my family so that we could do God's work without worrying about finance. Now, I owe them nothing. There's no debt that I need to repay. But at the same time, there would be something seriously wrong if they found themselves in need and I was able to help them but did nothing. There's something a little bit wrong with that. See, as Christian brothers and sisters, as a community, as a church family, we share one another's burdens. And that includes the burden of our past, our sin, our failings. The gospel and the life of the gospel doesn't exist in isolation. It exists in community. That's how Jesus intended it. He didn't choose one or two disciples and send them to be gospel stars in the world. 
Now he chose 12 disciples to sow the seeds of his church. And for the most part, they worked together in the same place until persecution began. From there, they were scattered into the world. And here's the thing. We need each other to know, to grow, and to show the gospel. We can't know the gospel in isolation. We need others who will share it with us, remind us of it, and live it before our eyes. We can't grow in Jesus because we need people to keep us accountable and sharpen us. We need people like Onesimus who who, who we may not like, we may not agree with. We need them to make us more like Christ. It's uncomfortable, I know. But we need one another to become more like Jesus. And we can't show the world how good God is. Because I can't do it on my own. We need each other. We need each person, every family, every person working together to show the world how good God is. And if nothing else, I hope this pandemic has shown you how much we need each other. We need to speak and remind each other of the gospel. We need to keep each other accountable for our faith. We need to help each other to show the love of God to one another and to those around us. We can't do this on our own. And I know I keep saying it, but I'll keep saying it until we get it. We need each other. We need one another. So let's wrap this up. The gospel changes lives. It changed Paul, it changed Philemon, it changed Anisimus, it changed me, and it can change you. When you come to an understand and accept the gospel, things change. And we should expect change and growth. Philemon gives us one example of how Christians, the Christian life seeks to serve others. But here's the other thing. Gospel change doesn't happen overnight. Now, it can. And there are definitely people who have dramatically changed because they've met Jesus. Paul is one of them. But if you're like me and most people, the change is gradual. And that's okay. But there should be change. When you finally get to see my kids in person, you'll notice how much they've grown. Honestly though, I haven't noticed so much because I spend every day with them. See, life isn't full of growth spurts and the Christian life isn't any different. You have a few and that's about it. As you get on in years, you might stop growing taller and you might start growing differently. And you need to start paying attention to your health. And that's the same with the Christian life. When you come to Jesus, you might have this growth spurt. You you just have this exponential growth in your faith, in your life in Jesus. But as you grow and walk with Jesus, not that it plateaus, but you don't have these spurts anymore. Instead, it's the slow and hard work of gospel change. And when you're facing yourself, when you're looking into the mirror every day, you might not notice that you're growing. Again, that's why we need each other. 
to keep one another accountable, to point out, hey, do you realize you've been growing in this? See, there's no smart goals to spiritual growth. You can't measure spiritual growth that way. So what does that mean? It means, therefore, be patient. Be patient with others. Be patient with yourself. Paul writes in Romans 15, We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbours for their good to build them up. Romans 15, 1 and 2. Now, I need to confess, I don't always do this well, especially with you, especially with the church. Especially in this pandemic, I, I find myself needing to be patient with people. And friends, this isn't just during this time. It's not going to end with the pandemic. The recovery and building up of people's faith will take time to heal, to be refreshed, to be restored. And if I failed you in this way, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Be patient with others as we walk together in faith. Likewise, be patient with yourself. And this is a lot harder. It's a lot harder to be patient with yourself. For some, this may be more challenging. But the God who transformed the lives of Paul, Philemon and Onesimus can change you as well. But be patient with yourself. It's not going to happen overnight. Don't, don't guilt trip yourself because you're, you don't see the change. Be patient. But after all is said and done, the question still stands. How are you growing to be more like Jesus? Because to encounter Jesus, to encounter the gospel, should result in change. It's progressive and it might be slow, but there should be change. And what change is God working in you? Are you seeing God slowly work in you, dealing with those challenges? And I'm talking about everyday things. Anger, anxiety, doubt, fear, greed, impatience, insecurity, Jealousy, laziness, pride, selfish ambition, and whatever else you want to throw in there. Do you see the fruit of the Spirit growing in you? Love, joy, peace, perseverance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now maybe it's hard for you to notice those things. But that's why we have each other. Look to those around you and ask, how have I changed? How have I grown in my walk with Jesus? Maybe, though, you've given up. And if that's the case, I want you to really take some time to look at Philemon, the letter to Philemon. It's a short, personal letter from Paul to Philemon. And it reminds us that the gospel can change lives. You have Paul, you have Philemon, and you have Anisimus. Each one of them different but each one of them transformed by the gospel. And maybe you're frustrated because people you love don't understand the gospel. Maybe you've given up on them. Again, this letter reminds us that God can change lives. He can change people. And whatever the case, remember God's love and grace demonstrated first to you. God showed His love to you, His grace in the Lord Jesus. And He has brought you out of sin and death 
And he can do that for others. If Anissimus can change, so can you. By the precious blood and sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ, anyone can change. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, thank you, thank you that you love us. That you do not leave us in the darkness of our world and our sin and our failing. That you do not leave us as slaves to sin. But that you have given us your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to take on our sin. That we may no longer be slaves to sin, but free. Free in Jesus. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Help us as we take those words to heart. If we have given up on ourselves, give us grace and mercy to see that you are still at work in us. If we have given up on others, help us to have renewed faith that you can work in their lives. Help us to be patient. Help us to forgive. Help us to receive our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we pray also that as we continue to share our lives and the gospel with those around us, that we might be patient, trusting that you will work. And so as those people come to mind, Father, give us grace and patience to entrust them to you. And so we pray and we thank you that you do change lives and we pray that our lives might be continued to be transformed to be more like Jesus. And that what we might see in ourselves and in others what you are doing to make us more like him. And so we pray all these things now in his name. Amen.